Acts 14, verse 17. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good. That's a lovely expression, is that he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So, it's a wonderful text. Uh, God shows himself, uh, he certainly shows himself in judgments and warnings, but he also shows himself in the rich goodness of what he gives. And I think I probably commented in our Western society, we're amazingly protected from lots of the uh, you know, famines and uh, plagues that other parts of the world have to live with, and we're protected from that in large measure, and we really ought to be grateful. You know, we, we, we're, we're good as a nation at complaining about things, you know, complaining about the cost of living and energy prices and the NHS and et cetera, et cetera, but we've got so much to be grateful for. If you travel to other countries, uh, you, you, you'd say, well, you know, we, we have so much to be grateful for, uh, and over a long period. So those are the things that we looked at last time. And I wanted to um, focus on people. So, um, <clears throat> and I have drawn a map of France there. And I wanted to just think in terms of people. Because one thing I, I've sometimes thought... Um, I think my son, Tim, probably has the same bent of mind as me. Here's the universe. And do you know, there are billions and billions and billions of stars. The whole, you know, just, if you were to take a map uh, of uh, the stars, they would just, uh, you know, God must like stars. There's so many of them. And if you take a sort of scientific view, you'd say, in this tiny little planet here is us. And you might think, how can, how, how can we be important if in this vast universe there's just this, this tiny bit there, that's us? And that can be a rather intimidating thought. And then I had another thought. So here's France, which is quite a big country, and there's Paris, and that seems a small blob in the middle of this big country. However, if you draw the map, instead of drawing it by inches and size, if you draw it by population, you, could, you would draw it in a, a different way. So you could draw... Uh, this is Paris. This is a huge population centre. You could draw a big mountain there and say this is a, this is a vast uh, population centre. Or if you, if you did it in size, you'd say this huge... This is... Um, this is how much population space France, uh, Paris takes up. You know. Do you see what I'm trying to say? If you map it differently. And if you map on this huge universe people, intelligent life forms made in the image of God, then you would map this as a huge place because it's full of loads of people. And that makes it really important. Um, it just, it's just the way you look at it. Um, it this is the epicentre, because it's got people in it, and they're made in God's image. So that was just a thought, um, which may or may not may be completely unhelpful, but um, it just sort of crossed my mind as a way of looking at where we are. Um, it says it, it, it's in the psalm, isn't it? What is man 
that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you consider him. You've made him a little lower than the angels, That's, um, but crowned him with glory and honor. Okay, right, let's uh, look at... I did also had a map of Deutschland and France in the same way. <coughs> Please can we read in Genesis... Chapter 1, verse 24 to 31. This is day 6. And of the days 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, God has separated light from darkness. The waters sideways he's separated, then the waters that way he's separated. Here on day 4, he fills the spaces with stars here, if I'm not mistaken, he does... Uh, where, where are we? It's, I've done it the wrong way around, haven't I? It's that way. He does the, uh, the birds and the sea creatures, I think. And then when he finally separates the sea from the land, he does uh, land animals and people. So we're on day six. So day six is from verse 24 to 31. Will anybody read that for us, please? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, the, the Hebrew for good is tov, and the Hebrew for very good is tov ma'od. I know this because I did a crash course in Hebrew, and when I got the answers right, the tutor wrote at the bottom tov or tov ma'od. So sometimes it was tov, and very rarely it was tov ma'od. Uh, but the, the God made everything, and he saw that it was... It was good. Okay, so let's uh, 
Let me just get my notes here. Um, when we're think, thinking about man, verse 26, so the word man there is Adam, who is, is also a personal name, isn't it? For, uh, so it's interesting whether we're talking about the, the man, Adam, or Adam, meaning man. Uh, let us make Adam in our image and after our likeness, verse 26. So that's what I'd like to spend a little bit of time thinking about. So originally there's just one, and then there's more than one, but um, image and likeness. But anybody like, uh, the, the image is used 15 times in the Bible, and likeness is used 22 times in the Bible. Not, not always used the same way, but what, uh, just a, as a, a sort of a, a random thought, the word image in the Old Testament, what does that tend to bring to your mind? In what way would that, you, you th- would imagine that that would be usually used? Thank you an image against God, like a graven image. And uh, I haven't done enough research to tell you how many times it's used that way, but it certainly is used sometimes that way. And this is interesting, isn't it? Because what's the problem with a graven image? Uh, Well, have a think about that. Uh, And here we're told, is someone in our image and after our likeness. I think the in and the after are quite important. I once mentioned this at a theological conference and they said, no, that's not important at all. So I could be completely wrong on this. But I I think the fact, it doesn't say that man is the image, it's made in our image. And it doesn't say man is the likeness, but is after our likeness. So it seems to put a little bit of a distance uh, that it's not an, you know, there's something that is not exact about that, but there's something very really, uh, a real sort of correspondence. Um, now then, what was I going to do with this? Uh, let's look at some references of um, image. So Numbers 33.52, let's just check this one out. Numbers 33.52. Numbers 33:52, or if we took it from verse 51, Numbers 33:51, could Ruth read us Numbers 33:51 and 52? Thank you. So that, that, that verse is just a confirmation of the use of the word images in that to mean a, a, a graven image, an idol. Uh, and I think I've got some similar ones for the word likeness. So Genesis 5 would do that, I think. 
So this is the word likeness. Genesis 5 verse 1. Genesis 5 verse 1, Christopher. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, do, do, the, do the next verse as well. He created the male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. Thank you. Okay, that's, that's another use of likeness. And I think there is... Hmm, I thought there was yet another, which I might not have put down. Does it say he... Far, yes. Um, so in, in verse 3... When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So that same idea of a likeness. But this time, it's going to be a likeness of a, a sinful, fallen being, isn't it? Because Adam was fallen at that time. Um, the, the use of image goes over into the New Testament. Uh, so let's flip over into the New Testament. I'm try and get these in the right order for us. So Colossians chapter 1. No, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm going to go to 3.10. Colossians 3.10. Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10. 10, Colossians 3, 9 and 10. This is in the ethical instruction to the Colossian Christians. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Um, Jerome, could you read that for us, please? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Thank you very much. So I think a reference there to um, sanctification, to Christians being remade in the image of the Creator, and the particular aspect of being remade there is the aspect of knowledge. So the things that have gone adrift with our knowledge are being renewed after, you notice that, other, that word there which it sort of qualifies image, after the image of its creator. And I would like to find, um, I think James 3.9 is the one I want. Yeah, James 3.9. So this is talking about people in general rather than uh, Christians James 3, 9. Ray, could you read us that, please? With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Thank you very much. Yes. So this idea that human beings, even now, are image bearers. They bear the likeness of God and therefore, we should not curse them. That's what it's saying, isn't it? We should not curse people. They're made in the image of God. And, uh, do you know, I'm forgetting what order I'm going to tackle these things, so I'll just say this now. I think this is such an important thought, that people are made in the image of God. 
And this applies to them whether they're Christians or not. It applies to them whether they are um, whether they work out or not. It applies to them whatever their mental health state is. It applies to them whatever their gender is. It applies to them however messed up they are. They're still made in the image of God. And just putting it personally, I found this to be a real important thing working with people in the community who are not believers, most of them. How do you treat people who come along to community meetings uh, in same-sex relationships with uh, people who are trans, people who have mental health issues? You treat them with the respect due to someone made in the image of God. Uh, And uh, that applies to um, people with special needs. They're made in the image of God and precious and therefore should not be discarded or looked down on or, um, what's the word, sort of mercy killed. They're made in the image of God. And this is such an important Christian insight, isn't it? And this helps us in, in our lives. We, we might disagree with somebody, and if they were to say to us, could I be a Christian? And you might have to say, well, you'd have to change this or that to be a Christian. But we still value those people as made in the image of God. Does that make sense? I think that is so important. Anyway, let's, uh, let's come back to... Uh, Let's go back to Genesis. And the question is, in what way is Adam in the image of God? So, in what way? And let's look into the verses that were read, 24 to 31, as, uh, and, and, and try and work off that and say, well, what is it that... Can we put into any sort of words what this image consists of? Now, let me just say, I think theologians have struggled over this for uh, millennia, because I don't think there is a neat answer to this, but I think we can have a go at it. We can say a few things that are not untrue. In what way, from the text, would you say that the human, uh, the the man or the, the male and female resemble the creator. So why don't you just have a a word with your neighbor for a couple of minutes and see what they think. In what way does uh, the human, human beings created resemble their maker? In what way they're the image? Anything from the text or anything that is the text implies? Two minutes. Thank you. Any other thoughts? Yep. Speak, thank you very much. Uh, That's going to come up in the next chapter. Because God is a speaking God. That's what he's been doing in in making everything. He speaks. So uh, the the human, Adam, is a speaking person. Yep, thank you. Do you want to go any further? Yes, making, creating. Obviously, uh, God is a creating God, and humans are creating creatures. 
I mean, I, I, I'm never quite sure how much credence to attach to the interpretation of human history that comes in science and whatever the study of human development is, is supposed to be. It seems to me um, that uh, they say, oh, we, we know absolutely what's happened sort of in an evolutionary framework. And then uh, a month later, they say, a new discovery has completely turned on its head what we thought we knew. But we're absolutely sure we know it this time. And then a new discovery comes along that absolutely turns everything. Anyway, that's just my, my, my take on that. But one of the uh, things that is indisputable is if you go back to those very old cave paintings, um, which are old, and they're beautifully made. You know, I, I should have looked it up, shouldn't I? There's some in, in, in France and in other places where uh, these are forefathers, paintings of horses and things on the cave walls, creating, making, making beautiful things. That's part of being human. And uh, uh, God willing, in this series, we'll spend an evening thinking about God and uh, human beings and creativity. And uh, we'll think of... The, well, I won't give the game away, but creativity is one thing. And, and any more? Um, I just said, as you spoke, speaking and making, and I guess creating, but just to maybe add another, um, uh, the, the word good to it, because we're thinking of um, like good work, yeah. Mm. Thank you. Agents of good, little fountains of good. Uh, I think that is such a beautiful thought, isn't it? Um, that's what human beings were made for, to be fountains of good, bringers of good. Um, I think the fall has completely messed that up. But Christians can aspire to be little fountains of good, that wherever we go, we bring something good. And uh, I suppose you can have a minimal use of good. You know, good morning doesn't mean very much. But actually, uh, to, to, to come to church and it does us good is a really powerful thing. And to, to have a good day is a really powerful thing. And to do good. I know people use it as a mockery, don't they? They're do-gooders. But it's not, it, it shouldn't be mocked. I mean, there's enough trouble in this world, isn't there? If you find people who can do something good, I mean, amen to that, don't you think? So, good. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. It's amazing how God works in people that don't believe in him as well. They're, you know, they can be obviously very good people, very caring people, very yeah. loving people. Yeah. That's something that God has given them. Exactly. I think there's, there's a common grace thing there, isn't there? I mean, there, 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 are, there are people who do good stuff. They don't have to be Christians. Um, Those people in Turkey, in yeah. helmets, you know, they Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and sometimes Christians are not first in line for that, um, though we should be. But I think this is why common grace is an important thing, that, that uh, God is at work in, in people who are not necessarily Christians, and they do have... Uh, they do good, and they have good intentions. I think the one thing we could say, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian in that is that a Christian would do it ultimately for the glory of God. And that's important. Even if they don't do it very well, they're doing it for the glory of God. But the non-Christian is not at all concerned about that. 
And that makes all the difference in the end. Because when deeds are weighed up um, on the last day, I, I, I think God will say, you know, that was good. You know, you did go, go and help, and that's not nothing. However, why did you do it? And I think that will make all the difference. But, yeah, thank you for that. Okay, um, let's <coughs> include now chapter 2. So uh, we have uh, the day of rest in chapter 2, verse 1. And you notice that there is no morning and evening and ending of this day. This day is open-ended. The heavens and the earth were finished, the host of them. The seventh day God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And that rest continues. God didn't have a Monday morning where he got up and started all over again. This blessed rest, this eternal rest, which talked about in Hebrews of of God's blessedness, goes on. Right, uh, we need to read um, chapter 2, verse 4 to 25. Who would read that for us, please? Ray, thank you. Whatever the man called each living creature, 
you very much. So this is uh, the... We presume that Eden is a mountain because rivers flow out of it. I believe that's correct. Verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. It divided, became four, four rivers. So flowing downhill. So Eden is a mountain. So that's Eden. And within that mountain is the garden. And the garden has got trees in it, um, various uh, trees. And this is where the man is put. And this is where the animals are brought. And this is where, subsequently, uh, the woman is brought as well, or made to be a, a partner with Adam. Let's think about what lies in front of Adam, who is going to rule this area. Um, could you, we want to pick out of the, the text here some things that he is going to have to do, or he can do, or he might be excited in doing, because this is the situation that he's in, uh, as a human being put into this garden. So, um, pardon? Okay, I'll tell you what. Talk to your talk to your um, your uh, neighbour for another couple of minutes, and then see see how many things we can come up with. Um, without weeds, yes. Okay, gardening. And I, I guess he would um, need to know a bit about the different gardening that he could do. Presumably, he's going to have to. Uh, get food from, from his gardening. So if we, if we actually enlarge that to agriculture and horticulture, horticulture, so Adam would be quite interested to go to, uh, what's the National Trust place up north with all the seeds in it, up further north than this? Waker's place. Yes, he would be. He would be up for that. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, so, okay, gardening. Right. Anything else? Looking. Ah, thank you. Okay, precious stones. Where have we got the precious stones? In which verse is? Verse twelve. Um, okay, looking. Uh, okay. One of the things is gold. So presumably, he would have to. You know, all things being equal, he would have had to go and find the gold and try and work out what you do with it, how you extract it, how you mine it, how you purify it, all that sort of stuff. So I think he would have had to be a metallurgist. Met, uh, I don't know how to spell it, metallurgist. It's a, it's a pardon? Yeah, it's a, somebody who studies metals as a metallurgist. Yeah, he would have had to be a metallurgist. Yeah, okay. Anything more? Um, he named all the animals. Okay, so... A zoologist. Yes, he would have had to be a zoologist. Yeah, carry on. Correct. Yep.
Yeah. Would you put in, is there a word that would sum that up? Apart from zoologist? Well, if I put he had to investigate, would that be... Because uh, he, he doesn't just say, oh, blah, he, I'll call you a blur, and he call you a blah, blah. He says, that, uh, the real name that would suit you is... So he sort of investigates and, and thinks about it. That's the best I can come up with. Pardon? Categorising. Yeah, what did you say? Yeah, I think he probably does, yes. Um, I'm going to put categorise... What? A naturalist. A naturalist, yeah. Not a, yes, naturalist. Yes. That's right, yes, in taxonomy, yes, taxonomy, if you, uh, taxonomy means putting things into order, uh, so wild animals, um, tame animals, tame animals that you can get milk from, tame animals that you don't get milk from, things like that, so it, it, taxonomy, that's what it's... It, it, that's a taxidermy, ta- taxidermy. No, you wouldn't have... <laughs> Taxidermist. Yeah, taxonomy. Okay, um, just, it strikes me about this, uh, these rivers. Uh, if he was to... He would have to know where he was. If he goes out for a walk one day and says, here's the gold, and then comes back, he would have to have in his mind uh, where that was, which, which, to my mind, puts him in the realm of map-making. Is there a, a, a word for map-making, apart from map-making? Pardon? Cartography, yes. Cartography. Well, exactly. What this is doing is saying there's a whole field of human activity and human thought and... Um, yeah, which, which Adam would have had to do. This is part of his being human, which is what God is blessing and saying, this is what I want you to do. Um, and we should appreciate that that's still the case. So if anybody here is a cartographer, you know, God bless you, because that is a good thing to be doing. You shouldn't apologize for being a, a cartographer, because Adam would have been a cartographer or, or his grandchildren would have been somebody he would have had to say to somebody look we need a map who's good at map you are right okay you go and make us a map i'm just sort of saying that the whole realm of human activity is before us here yeah chef yeah i think so i think it's the whole uh, the whole realm of of cooking um Um, well, let's, let, let, let's assume that the whole uh, range of possibilities is there. Yeah. 
Yes, 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 yes. Uh, all, all the food, food, all the things to do with food, um, cuisine. Yeah. How big is the garden? Now that's a good question because I would suggest that the idea of the garden is this is where it starts, but the dominion is meant to go outwards, and he's meant to tame and cultivate this uncultivated area. There's little uh, reference to that, isn't there? That which we we wonder what it means. If we lived in the Middle East, I think we would say this is pretty obvious that unless you irrigate a field, it won't grow anything. And that the, in verse 5, no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. So if, if you have a man to work the ground, then you can start growing things, because somebody intervenes to bring water into the... This is a Middle Eastern document, into this dry... Uh, ground. So, um, where on earth was I going with that? Yeah, expanding Eden to fill the world. That's what I think is, is happening. And you get the same sort of movement when um, the Israelites enter Israel and take it over and it becomes a little sort of Eden. And the idea of the kingdom being that that enlarges and Solomon enlarges the kingdom and apart from human sin, you would imagine that, that the idea was that this should fill the whole earth. And hence, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he, uh, his kingdom, does expand to fill the whole earth. And I should cut to the chase because of time and go to Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 27. This is the future glory, Revelation 21, 22 to 27. Revelation 21, 22 to 27. Could Daniel read that for us, please? Thank you very much. Yeah, so thinking of this uh, future city, um, the city stretches from here to here, shall we say, uh, and what isn't there in the city? Good. Pardon? No darkness, thank you. Nothing impure, yeah, thank you. And verse 22, no temple. Now, just think about this. The temple 
in the, in the previous city, let's put a temple there, is a place where God's presence is specially there. So in the, the old city and temple, if you wanted to meet with God, you couldn't meet with him, this is the way it's set up, you couldn't meet with him far away, and even if you're in the city, you actually go into the temple to meet the Lord because his presence is specifically there. But in this new city, there is no temple because the, the Almighty, the Lamb, is present everywhere in the temple. The, God himself is the temple. And in this, temple, in this city, God's presence is everywhere. There's nowhere where God is not fully present. And there's, there's people in there. And what does it say about the nations? They will walk by its light. Okay. And there's something else about the nations? The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. And in verse 26, they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Uh, I just want to ponder that thought. So into the final heavenly city is brought the glory and honor of the nations. So each of the nations brings something nationful into this. In other words, they don't just bring Hebrew psalms because that, 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 that the Hebrew psalms are um, from Israel. They bring something that glory and honor of the nations is brought in. So there will be something from the nation of Nigeria brought in. There will be something from the nation of Ethiopia brought in. See, I got there, didn't I? There will be something from um, of the Maltese people brought in, something of the German people brought in, something of the Kenyan people brought in, something of the Korean people brought in, something of the English people brought in, something um, human that gets brought in to the final glory. And... It, you know, whenever I think about this, I, I, I think a little bit um, light-heartedly. But w- what will, uh, you know, what will the what will the Chinese bring into? The, what will there be in the future glory that you'll say that comes from China? Um, tea, um, fireworks, um, organisation. Um, what will be in the final glory from? Germany, so obviously the music of Bach, because that, that is a, a, a distinctively German thing, that is a contribution to the human project made from Germany. Uh, I, 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 we went to a Bach concert, and in the, in the program notes, it said, when you get to the bit, now then, the trouble is I can't remember these details, is it the bit that it says, et resurrects it, and he was raised uh, in this piece of music by Bach? And the program note said, 
this is the highest point of Western music. You know, this is the most brilliant, wonderful thing that Western culture has produced. Uh, and he rose. You know, that's the outrage that resurrects it. I might have got the details wrong, but you get the idea. And just to think that in the final world, there'll be something like that. I mean, maybe there'll be that. Uh, that it, 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 it's not unclean, it's not impure. It's something of the glory of the nations which is brought in to the final world. Um, what will the Welsh people, what will be there that's Welsh? Singing. Yeah? Uh, so I, I, I just leave you, it's a little bit of a tantalising thought, isn't it? But uh, the, the idea that the human project, that all these things, I mean, we could have enlarged on this and, and hopefully in, in, in the ne next sessions we can enlarge on what the human project is. Uh, we didn't mention the multiplication because God says go and multiply. So Adam was meant to have children. So there'd be pe pediatric, is that pediatric child looking after children? Uh, they would, by the time you've got a lot of children, you'll probably have to do... Um, child care and um, primary school teaching and um, pro I don't know whether to have Ofsted in a, a perfect world <laughs> but it, there would have been some sort of organisation, there would have been some uh, way of uh, remembering all their names and uh, making sure they all had their lunch and it, it was an organisation um, where was I going with this? I don't know either um, but uh, just trying to say that uh, this, these are all precious things and we should value them. And uh, I know some of them get spoiled, but in God's common grace, uh, we should look around and be appreciative of what people do. And if whatever you do uh, in, in most of your waking life, please don't think, oh, because I'm not a missionary or because I'm not a, a pastor, I'm a, a second-class citizen, um, Please don't think that because all these human things are of such great value and that's what he's... We're fulfilling what he made us to be when we are cartographers or um, metallurgists or gardeners. Yeah. Yeah, you could, you could say that the whole salvation story is a, a sort of um, boy meets girl type of, um, for the, uh, sort of shadowed at the beginning, but fulfilled with the, the bride at the end. Yeah, that's right. Yes, the, the, the shame is an intruder into our experience. And it's come in through sin. And it, it, it can be other people's sin that cause us shame. But in the, in the world to come, that's taken away. There's no, no shame. No, uh, nothing like that. I mean, it's a great, 
thing to look forward to. I think I should stop because time has gone on. But I hope you find that encouraging. And we can um, hopefully continue that in the next... Uh, I think ne next week is communion, isn't it? Yeah, but there, thereafter then. Steve's going to do something on politics. And I think Jerome's going to do something which we will... Uh, well, yeah. well, maybe, <laughs> possibly, yes. Okay. Um, Daniel, would you close in prayer for us, please? Amen.